Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host for these podcasts. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, well, today we're going to be talking about a subject that I don't think we often think about. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you have ever considered the two phrases or ideas of pastor and trauma together, or pastoring and post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome, PTSD. Uh, but as I sit down today to talk to Sean Nemechek, uh, it, it was eye-opening for me how deep of a reality this is. Pastors are under a lot of pressure. And uh, Sean has spent many years studying this. He's personally experienced trauma in ministry. And uh, since then, in the last decade or so, he's devoted his time to uh, helping the pastor avoid trauma, but also if he is in trauma, how to recover from it, how to be stronger from it. And he also helps the church uh, leadership to know what their role can be in supporting a pastor who is either experiencing burnout or trauma. Uh, so great conversation I had with Sean. He's the author of a book called The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout, A Journey from Exhaustion to Wholeness. Uh, he's also involved in coaching, training, counseling, and the whole issue of area of soul care, and uh, even consulting churches and leadership teams to uh, really maximize the opportunity uh, with who they are, how they're structured in supporting the pastor. Um, so you'll find this to be a very engaging, challenging conversation and also very helpful conversation. So let's go ahead and jump into that now. Right, I have the privilege of having Sean uh, Nemechek on the interview this morning before you quit. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, before we hit record, you said you're in, in Michigan. Yes, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Well, we're we're sorry for the loss of the Lions last night. A bunch of us were rooting for them here, so I imagine that's got to be a disappointment for you. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker for us. Yeah, well, you you wake up the next day and realize it's just a game. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And go right. on to the important. It's always stuff. next year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, or another thirty years, or however it's. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. I uh, bumped into your information online. You uh, talk a lot about pastor burnout and PTSD, and it's a, a subject that I've sort of wor worked around some, but never directly on particularly PTSD and, and pastors. So uh, really fascinated to uh, to have that conversation with you. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, uh, how you got there. And I always like to ask what drives people that I'm interviewing. What are you most passionate about? I am a regional director for Pastors in Residence Ministries, or PIR Ministries. Uh, we are uh, a crisis ministry to uh, help pastors who are really struggling, whether that's with forced exit, moral hmm. uh, failure, or burnout. Um, that was my story. Uh, I was a pastor for 18 years and around year 11, uh, I experienced deep burnout, uh, and found out related to that, that there were some, uh, symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Mm. Um, but it was through my recovery, uh, that other pastors started asking me, uh, you know, what are you doing that's different? And I started coaching other pastors and helping them out, which, uh, led me to the work I'm doing now, which is almost full-time coaching of pastors. Uh, specializing in helping them through burnout. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and uh, so I've written a book on that subject, uh, and I'm really just passionate about helping pastors find health uh, and helping churches create environments that are healthy for their pastors. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Very similar to what I've done. Uh, came out of a, a burnout situation as well. I'll be interested to talk to you a little bit more about it, uh, just with the time frame, uh, 18 years, year 11. I'll, I'll ask you a little bit later. Obviously, you, you must have recovered and had some good years. Otherwise, you went through seven years of burnout. I hope that wasn't the case. Yeah, it, but, it uh, took me about 18 months to recover. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so we're we're talking about pastors experiencing, uh, you know, we use burnout, you use PTSD. Uh, so define that. How How is that different than burnout? Yeah, they're, they're different things, but they often happen together. Mm -hmm. uh, so post-traumatic stress is really uh, uh, a re trauma response to witnessing a life-threatening event. Um, and uh, that can result in experiencing hypervigilance, uh, which is like looking for every threat around every corner, mm -hmm. um, uh, revisiting the, the traumatic event uh, in your mind, uh, re-experiencing it, um, and sometimes cognitive issues uh, that, that are connected to emotional regulation and uh, clarity in our thinking and stuff. Mm -hmm. Burnout is really um, uh, a response to a chronic uh, stressful workplace and the inability to manage that stress. Um, so post-traumatic stress revolves around an event, usually, uh, a traumatic event. Burnout is more of a long, mm. slow um devolving because of the weight of stress that we carry. Now, there's some things in between. Um, there's There are trauma responses that a lot of pastors experience that look like post-traumatic stress. And there's some debate as to whether or not they are post-traumatic mm -hmm. stress. So uh, vicarious or secondary trauma is an experience where you are helping somebody else who has been through trauma and right. you are traumatized right. yourself because of that. So, for example, if a pastor is helping a woman who's been abused and he hears the story uh, of that abuse, uh, he can experience the trauma himself because of that. That's secondary trauma. Uh, or there's complex or uh, chronic uh, traumatic stress, which is uh, a response to an ongoing and continual uh, traumatic event. Uh, so somebody who's being sexually abused repeatedly would have this type of trauma. Uh, in pastors, it's usually uh, repeated conflict within the church or repeated criticism mm -hmm. that continues to grow over time. Uh, and so if, if they're experiencing those types of trauma, they can look a lot like post-traumatic stress. And there's some debate as to whether or not they're separate or the same thing. Uh, but those are the types of uh, trauma that we see in pastors for the most part. So, so you assess that when pastors come to you and what you determine, whether it's burnout or PTSD, um, determines how you respond to it, I would assume, right? There, there are obviously certain approaches that you'll have depending on the degree yes of impact uh, so as i said often uh pastors who are in burnout are often experiencing trauma symptoms mm -hmm. um and if i sense that that 
trauma is uh, an issue with the pastor I'm working with, I will uh, encourage them to also see a trauma counselor right. in addition to the burnout coaching that I do. Uh, because they are different things, they, they do require uh, different treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, working your way through burnout is really about uh, working through uh, you, the stress of the environment and your ability to manage it. Working through trauma is a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I can of, imagine. Yeah. 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 I, the, the impact on, on the pastor can be, can be damaging. You, you use the term moral injury. What, what do you mean by that? So moral injury is is something that a lot of pastors experience. Um, it's when uh, we go against our own core values mm. uh, in order to please other people or uh, please what we imagine other people want of us. And uh, so what we're doing is actually uh, damage to ourselves by denying our own core values. And that often leads to kind of a generalized feeling of anger. Um, we don't know why we're angry. There's no specific event, mm -hmm. but we seem to be angry at everyone. And that's really because we're angry at ourselves for right. violating our own values. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Um, you talk about the three primary reasons uh, for well, it, it's so how how much how much worse is it in the occupation of pastoring from uh, you've observed from maybe other occupations? Yeah, there was a, a study done uh, not too long ago um, by uh, Elizabeth Ruffing, Chance Bell, Stephen Sandage uh, around uh, post-traumatic stress uh, in religious leaders. Mm -hmm. um, and they found that pastors show the markers for post-traumatic stress. Now, this isn't a specific diagnosis, but it's a likely diagnosis uh, for post-traumatic stress at a higher rate. Um, when I compared it to uh, military personnel, uh, police, firefighters, medical professionals, first responders, um, the pastors, uh, the, the rate of likely PST was higher than all of those groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe it's largely because uh, pastors don't have the training that those other groups have about uh, how to care for themselves and, and uh, how to avoid traumatic uh, stress. Uh, they don't have the networks uh, to get treatment. Uh, and often um, there's a kind of a stigma around mental health within the church that mm -hmm. can get hard for them to, to even say anything about it. Yeah, I think that's changing some where it's becoming more normalized, yes. you know, particularly with a generation coming. There's uh, almost uh, I, I laugh. I, sometimes I think it's a badge of honor, you know, for this generation to come out and say, I've, you know, I'm struggling with, which I think is good. Uh, that, that vulnerability is really good. Yes, it is. And, and, and it's good to see that change happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, what, what are the warning signs that a pastor is, is heading this way? Yeah, so the warning signs of, of um, PTSD are, are, are often uh, the hypervigilance, uh, the uh, cognitive uh, issues, uh, extreme emotional mm -hmm. uh, fluctuations. Uh, the warning signs of burnout are harder to notice, though, mm. um, because it's a long, slow slide into burnout uh, and stress that's building. Uh, often the people around them don't notice um, 
So there there are four questions I'd like to ask pastors uh, to diagnose whether or not they're in burnout. Um, And these are really the the markers that we look for to see if uh, if they're really struggling. Uh, so the first is, is fatigue. It's deep emotional uh, and mental and physical fatigue. It's just like uh, it goes down to your bones and a mm-hmm. week off isn't going to fix this type of fatigue. You know, it's, it's going to take some deep work. Uh, the second is they're feeling less effective in their work. Uh, things that used to um, be easy or now hard, things that used to be hard are now impossible. Um, and to the people around them, it often looks like the pastor has become ineffective or lazy. Um, that's not the case. It's just that the, the weight of the stress is making the work harder for them. Um, the third thing is uh, they've lost their sense of hope. Um, they've become cynical or mm-hmm. um, they are uh, just feeling stuck where they're at. They don't see any way out. They don't know the way forward. Um, and then the fourth is uh, they've lost their sense of self. You know, when they look in the mirror, they don't recognize the person looking back at them. Uh, they may not remember uh, their calling to ministry. Uh, they may be questioning that calling uh, or they may have lost uh, their sense of joy. Uh, a lot of times I will ask pastors who are in burnout, what brings you joy? And they'll think for a long time and just mm. say, I don't know anymore. And that's really scary to experience. Yeah. When I uh, when I pastored the, the last church, it was really my one difficult uh, church in the 30-some years that I pastored. And there was uh, a moment where I didn't realize I was angry, and I wrote, an email to the entire congregation and it was really very uh, aggressive and angry and my district superintendent called me like an hour later because he had gotten a lot of calls and he said mitch are you okay and i said no (laughs) and so we talked about it and he uh he recommended that my wife and i go to this uh, retreat center called fairhaven in uh near elizabethton tennessee I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's uh, yeah. I've it's, been there a couple yeah, times myself. Yeah, it's a oh, really? Place. Yeah, it it saved my ministry. It it well, it mm-hmm. saved me. Uh, and I went back to the same nonsense, but had a lot of perspective, you know. And so yes. the the time away with my wife, uh, the, the books that I read, I read a couple books. One of them was by I think Blaine Allen which is called Before You Quit, and that, that's actually the title of this podcast, and I got that from that book. And uh, essentially, he just does a, a review of, of all the servants of God, the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and not one of them did not experience pain. And yes. so all the servants of God are are asked to go through some some challenges and uh mm-hmm. but yeah i love i love that what you said you know in reference to moral injury that when you stop how, how did you phrase that when you stop uh when you go against your your own core values there you go yeah, yeah. i love that i love that yeah that resonates with me and i know i know it will for a lot of people um yeah and and uh ptsd you know maybe the difference between burnout is burnout you'll have good days that balance the bad days ptsd i think it's probably more chronic right it's 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 less uh less volatile uh, do you find that to be the case or i i think post-traumatic stress is actually more volatile and uh mm. you'll have good days and then you'll have really bad okay bad okay with burnout it's more like you've got this constant weight 
Yeah, uh, it's there all the time. Uh, you will have bad days, and then you'll have really bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the good days just won't won't feel as good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of similarity between the two, and, and neither of them are fun to be in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely wouldn't ask for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's it's fascinating. We what makes the press what gets attention is abusive pastors. You, you know, we hear a lot about pastors who are abusive. We don't talk a lot about pastors being abused, and and you do. Um, and so talk a little bit about that. Um, and you, you do refer to a toxic work culture. And, um, and it sounds like you and I have both experienced this in our ministries. I know a lot do, but I think we need to be talking about it more. Yeah, I think um, – we, we certainly do need to be talking about abusive pastors and separating them from your normal everyday pastor, because most of pastors are not abusive. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. seems to be a uh, something that the, the culture is forgetting. Yeah. Uh, most pastors are very loyal, but it, it is common for pastors to experience abuse within their churches, whether that's from uh, a critic who is just constantly trying to get that person fired. That was my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be from uh, unrealistic expectations within the congregation. Um, uh, it could be from you know extremely low pay and assuming a pastor mm. should be living in poverty if they're going to really be uh, a holy person. And, and so there's all different ways a church can abuse uh, a pastor. But I also want to say it's not most people in the church that will be the abusive right. ones. Usually it's a very small percentage of the overall congregation that causes the pastor's overall experience of the church to be negative uh, rather than positive. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the voices I think are loudest to the ears of the pastor as well. You know, um, yeah. It, uh, so uh, Dennis Maynard, is an Episcopal priest, wrote a book called When Sheep Attack. And uh, he he argues in that book that, you know, there was a book years ago, Well-Intentioned Dragons, that, yeah, people are difficult, but they mean well. And he goes, no, there are people who don't mean well. Uh, they're out for the destruction of the pastor, and uh, and so you know the the abuse again. It's very rare. I agree, but it, it it's not rare for a pastor to um, to experience at least the sense that that there are people against him. And uh, but yeah, we do definitely need to acknowledge that. Um, so what? Why are pastors reluctant to let others know that mm-hmm. they're struggling? Yeah, this is this is a hard one. You know, there's one other level of abuse I think I should mention before I answer that question. Mm-hmm. That's that's neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of pastors experience very stressful jobs, um, and they're exposed to the trauma of people in their church. But there's nobody caring for that pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we don't necessarily think of that of, as abuse, but we do have a responsibility to care for our pastors well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that neglect can make it seem like an abusive situation. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, uh, to to get back to the, the question you asked, um, can you repeat the question for yeah, me? Yeah, just uh, why we're reluctant to let other yes, people Okay, do. yeah. Um, I think... 
I think there's a few things going on. In some churches, they still have the stigma around mental health. And if a pastor admits any mental health problems, then he's likely to uh, be seen as unfit for ministry, mm-hmm. uh, which is a horrible, horrible standard to have to live up to mm-hmm. because we all experience mental health issues from time to time and and all of us need help uh from time to time and so it's really an impossible standard to live up to um i think a lot of pastors are afraid that if they show faults that they will not be received with grace Mm. Um, and and this may just be in their own mind um or it, it may be a reality um, when I was starting to struggle, I shared a few things uh, with a few people, and they were not safe people. They did not respond right. well. Um, there are others in the church who would have responded well had I uh, been free to share with them, but the first few responses told me, uh, you're going to be suffering in this alone, uh, which is the absolute worst thing a pastor in burnout can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, isolation will will just cause burnout to get worse. And, and that's true also for PTSD. Uh, the isolation that it causes uh, makes the experience of it worse. Um, so it, there's a number of reasons why pastors don't share. Uh, sometimes it's just pride. Yeah. You know, you know we, we just, we think we need to be the ones who are put together. We're the ones who are serving the church. Um, and we forget that we also need to be served. We need to be yeah. helped. Can you share a little bit more about your own story of how, uh, you know, not not necessarily what you went through, but you're welcome to do that. But but really, at what point did you seek help? What was that like? And then what was that year, the, the years of recovery like for you? Yeah, so my burnout was caused by a variety of factors. Um, I was in a rural church uh, that couldn't afford to pay me much, so mm. we were const- in constant financial stress. Um, I also had uh, somebody in the church who was against me, did not want me to be the pastor there, and was doing everything he could to get me fired. So mm. it was uh, a constant state of criticism, and that lasted for 11 years. Um, we also experienced uh, some major health struggles. My wife had breast cancer, Mm. uh, went through some major struggles with my father. Um, And then really the breaking point for me was um, there was a young woman in the church who had just kind of come back to faith in Christ. And we were discipling her. And uh, while I was counseling her brother, she was in a car accident and killed. And I Went through the fa- went through the experience mm. with the family in real time, mm. um, and I think that's where for me the post traumatic stress symptoms uh, began. Mm. But it was about four years after that event that I really hit the deepest level of burnout. I think the slide began there, uh, but the the weight of the the chronic criticism and stress and everything uh, finally came to a head. Um, there was one last attempt to get me fired that turned into what felt like an inquisition for about mm. three months. Mm. Uh, thankfully, that guy ended up leaving the church and, and uh, everything got easier, mm-hmm. which created the space for me to, to seek healing. Um, through it, I recognized there's something seriously broken in my soul. I was experiencing that hypervigilance where, you know, you're just looking for anything that could go, go wrong anywhere. Um, and so I decided um, through prayer, through a, a prayer retreat, that I needed some help. And the Lord gave me five names. One was a counselor. 
Uh, one was a spiritual director. One was a ministry coach. One was a local church pastor who could be a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. And then one was just a friend who was in mm-hmm. ministry as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of these relationships served a different role in my recovery, um, but I was involved with all of them for at least the next 18 months um, in different ways. Was it unavoidable? In other words, was there a point where if you had been self-aware, cognizant of what was going on, where you could have avoided the burnout or the PTSD? Or is it something that you you have to go through the whole experience to get the help and and maybe as you answer that what is the role of the church in in helping and and was that lacking in your story i know i asked like three questions there so yeah i think burnout is is avoidable uh post-traumatic stress that's harder to to say i i doubt it's avoidable because of the uh the impact of the trauma um but i i tend to shy away from the conversations of how do we avoid burnout Mm. because i believe there are some of us who need a certain amount of pain to get our attention Uh, and burnout is actually the thing that god uses to shape us into the leader that he wants us to be Uh Um, and so we don't have to look at it uh, through the lens of burnout is a bad thing Uh, i wouldn't wish it on anyone and I would want to avoid it at all costs. But if God leads us through that space, we may actually be better on the other side. So uh, the faithfulness of God through our burnout is really something we can have hope in. Yeah, when I counsel pastors uh, or just anybody really, and they're going through a, a lot, I, I'll tell them, I, you know, I, I can't talk you out of this. I really can't help you out of this, but I can help you through it. And uh, and and that gives people hope. I mean, they begin to see there's there can be something redeeming by by going through this. Um, and you go back to you know the the book before you quit, where every servant of God experienced uh, you know some kind of difficult uh, thing. Um, I mean, the, David, uh, the Apostle Paul. I mean, you talk about trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, he he writes even the spirit of life itself, which I think is an expression of depression. You know, if you're despairing yeah. of life, it almost sounds like he's suggesting that he wanted to take his own life. You know, I I, I know there's probably a, that's a nuanced passage and and might mean different things, but uh, um, yeah. So a pastor's going through this right now. What what hope can you give him? Yeah. Um, so if we're talking about post-traumatic stress, uh, I would say that talking to a trauma counselor is a very good thing to do and trusting that counselor to lead you through. It's going to be a long process, but you can find healing on the other side. Um, With burnout, I would say uh, there's hope if you're willing to get the help that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, You probably aren't going to recover from burnout on your own. Um, you're going to need somebody who can hold hope for you and help you through and help you see things clearly. But with three to six months of very intentional work, you're going to feel better than you do now. And usually in two to five years, you'll find yourself again and you'll realize Mm. you're much stronger than you ever were before. You're going to develop a resilience that will allow you to see the the things that led to burnout earlier 
uh, and you'll be able to avoid it in the future if you do the work. Um, so in both cases, there is healing available, uh, but you have to ask for help. Yeah, and, and sometimes someone else has to ask the help for you, you know, your yeah. spouse. I, I think this becomes critical. I think for me, the point where I got scared was when I realized it was starting to affect my wife and even my children. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the conversations we, we've had since are still difficult. I mean, I'll bring up somebody and I can still see the, the pain in my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got help, you know, and, and uh, again, you, you know, you and I are, uh, I believe, doing what we're doing. Uh, because of what we went through personally, absolutely, and um, and that can be, I think, an encouragement to someone going through this now is that uh, you know you could be a wounded healer uh, to others, and and in the end, it makes you a better pastor, doesn't it? Uh, your your preaching is is far more real and yes. authentic. And how how much do you feel a pastor should? Uh, how vulnerable should he be about this as he's going through it? I think versus it's even after. I, th- I think it's important to seek uh, professional help first, um, because that way you're with somebody who is trained to be a safe person, mm-hmm. and you can learn to identify who are the safe people in mm-hmm. your congregation. Um, you really need to make sure that the, you reveal this to people who are going to be empathetic, understanding, and who are going to advocate for your health. Um, not people who are going to be scared by it, uh, people yeah. who are going to panic and not know what to do uh, because those people will be dangerous. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, they'll they'll take advantage of it. Well, and sometimes they're just responding out of ignorance and fear, mm-hmm. um, not seeking to take advantage of you, but um, just panicking, thinking the worse and uh, taking the easy way out. Uh, which usually ends in, you know, termination of the ministry, which is a shame because yeah. working through burnout and and having your church see you work through that and grow in your, your relationship with Christ, your security in Christ, your identity in Christ as part of this, uh, it actually makes your preaching deeper, it makes your empathy better, and uh, it makes your ministry more credible. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it can actually be a very good thing for the church uh, as well, if they're willing to go through it with you. Yeah. Yeah, one of the uh, turning points for me, it was very difficult. We, I lost my, my oldest son, died of cancer, mm. uh, and it was just shortly after my wife had brain cancer. They, they both had brain cancers oh. within a, a couple months of each other. She survived and he did not. And the last church that I went to, this was only six years after it happened. We were in Milwaukee for uh, five years, and that was a great healing community there. I was on staff in a larger church, but this church that I took in in, in North Carolina, uh, I was a lead pastor there, and I found myself still processing. I'm, I'm a verbal processor, and, and I thought I was using my pain to be an encouragement to people that, hey, it's relatable. And someone came up to me one time and said, you know, we've, we've heard – he should have been more tactful. Uh, but he said, uh, you know, we've heard enough about your dead son. Uh, I think we need to oh, be encouraged. Yeah, it was horrible, but it woke me up to the fact that I needed to – maybe get help from someone else first, keep healing, 
mm-hmm. and uh, and not use the pulpit as as a way to process my own pain. Um, but it was also a congregation that was wounded themselves, and they had not dealt with their wounds. And and you know, it, I I think it was just that that we we came through that. I think I became healthier. Uh, even though I hated the way that the man framed it, mm-hmm. uh, he was right. I was using the preaching too much to uh, as a cathartic exercise, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of what else to ask. Um, is there anything else that you feel we've not covered on this? I, I, I just feel like it's a been a great conversation. Yeah, you ju- you just brought up a, a, an excellent point that the, you know when you said the congregation themselves was wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to burnout in uh, pastors, we aren't going to solve that issue until we heal our churches. Yeah, uh, it's really the the work environment that creates burnout, um, and so it's the the toxic church culture that needs to change. Um, often churches will experience exits of pastors again and again and again and they'll say boy we got a string of bad pastors there <laughs> oh they You're didn't the problem yeah it's the yeah. culture of the church that's the problem and yeah. so and it's largely because they've been wounded and have yeah. uh so finding a way to to bring healing to our congregations uh will often create healthier environments for our churches or for yeah. our pastors yeah, really good point. Yeah. You work mostly with the pastors, though, not churches, right? I do work with churches from time to time. Okay. It's rare for uh, a board uh, to see the need. Um, and and uh, usually they want me to just fix their pastor, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I'm happy to work with pastors. But it, when I get a board that says, uh, you know, we, we want to address the environment that we're creating for our pastor and know how we can help. That's what really gets me excited, because then I know that there's mm. there's going to be real healing, not just in the pastor, but in the whole congregation. Yeah, yeah, because then the pastor comes back to a, a healthier environment, which uh, which I did not have. You know, when I shared that I went to this retreat, I came back to the same chaos. I was I was different. The church remained the way it was but uh, yeah that's that's really a good point so uh yeah so um people can reach out to you i'll include the the website and um i i know you're you're eager to help in any way you can so we'll encourage pastors to reach out yeah they can reach out to me uh through my website pastorsoul.com or through my ministry pirministries.org um uh, and i'm also on uh, most social media uh, channels, at least the big yeah, ones. You're easy uh, to find. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I always like to end a little lighter, uh, although it depends on what the question is. Uh, but if roles were reversed and you were interviewing me, maybe on this subject, what question would you ask? Hmm, that's a that's such a good question. There's so many questions that come to mind, but um, I would just I would want to ask um, what was the uh, most significant relationship for you in healing through the grief that you experienced from losing your son and from mm, your wife's mm. cancer. Yeah, well, I'm I'm very relational, so I already had a, a network of men in my life, and they were they were tremendous in in support. But I would say my father he he passed away six weeks ago at ninety three. Oh, I'm sorry. And he was uh, yeah he was my rock. I I remember 
um, you know, talking to him a lot, and he he had the uh, he had a wit about him where he would give spiritual perspective in just very concise ways, and often would refer to the Narnia stories. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, he would talk about Aslan, uh, you know, weeping, and mm-hmm. uh, I forget. There's there's one story where. Um, one of the characters' mom is, uh, I, I think, the boys. the 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 mom is dying, mm-hmm. and and the way the the story unfolds, it's uh, you know, it's it's obvious Aslan is more grie- you know, more hurt and burdened mm-hmm. by the death or the sickness of of the uh, of the of the mother, and uh, and my dad would tell stories like that, and and really point me to Christ and the gospel. Um, I. I mean, I find myself doing that in my ministry. I, I remind people of the gospel, you know, as we're as whatever you're going through, think about who Jesus is, what he came to do for you, and also where where we're heading. You know, my wife, uh, she she's been on a twenty some year process of recovery because her brain tumor was uh, on the speech center, so she's had to regain. She hasn't she hasn't regained the reading and writing, but uh, you know, she she speaks quite well. But she. Uh, She'll always remind me of the joy of the Lord, and mm. she always reminds me of one day we're going to leave this earth and be with Jesus. And so the person that's been wounded the worst has been my greatest encouragement. So probably my wife would be the answer to that as well. Often the case, isn't it's amazing. it? amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can use yeah. to heal others. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I appreciate you taking the time and thank you for what you're doing as well. And, and so thank valuable. you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me and uh, for this conversation. It's been fun. I hope we can maybe chat again sometime. I'd like that. Lord, Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today, on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. Uh, also, please go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, and you'll find 121 now podcasts on uh, just a whole slew of topics related to ministry. And in fact, you can just scroll through there, type a keyword, and it's very likely that you'll find that I've covered one of the subjects that you're interested in. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.